Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's transfer guru, Alex Crook, as we pick our way through all ten of the weekend's fixtures. Carrick Foster with the cross, Ivan Tony drives Brentford ahead! I'm feeling we are extremely difficult to beat, we are growing into it. 3-0 to Liverpool! Unstoppable shot by Mo Salah. Key questions to answer this weekend. How will West Ham tackle Manchester United without Mikel Antonio? What can Tottenham do to tame Romelu Lukaku? And can Pep get City fans enthused about a game with Southampton? Plus, a big game day section where three live Premier League games are back-to-back on the TalkSport network, including Aston Villa against Rafa Benitez's Everton. Plus, Harry's hangover and a Friday frolic, which promises more goals galore. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. A great week for Champions League football. Wednesday night, particularly thrilling. Three out of the four English clubs winning. Barcelona getting pumped by Bayern. And Sebastian Allaire. Yes, West Ham fans. Remember him? Uh, What a debut he had. A Champions League debut, that is. Becoming the first Ajax player to score four goals in a European Cup game for the first time since 1979. But it is back to the Premier League now. And a weekend of top fixtures. Darren Lewis and Alex Crook are here. Uh, Should we start with the big story of the day? Uh, Manchester United looked a little bit sheepish after losing two young boys. And Ronaldo, Alex Crook, has been forced out of his seven-bedroom mansion in Cheshire because of a batch of bleating ewes uh, that keep him awake in the morning. (laughs) I'm sure he will be absolutely delighted with that on the back of that debacle. Um, against young boys. Um, difficult to have too much sympathy for Ronaldo. If he's got seven bedrooms, then uh, I'm sure he'll be okay and can afford a hotel. And difficult to have any sympathy with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, if you could make every bad decision under the sun in the space of an hour or so, he managed that on Tuesday night. And I think it's a reality check that Manchester United can have all the talented superstars in the world. If the manager's not good enough, it's still going to be very difficult to win trophies. They lose Do you know the funny game, thing? Yeah. I thought I thought you actually said Utes rather than use. <laughs> no. I said, you know what? Kids outside his hotel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, did you know? By the way, uh, talking of Ute, you know, uh, you say Bolt. I, I spoke to him the other week, and he was uh, going on about all these things, great things he was doing for Soccer Aid and raising money for UNICEF. And then he said, "I've just dropped a new album, and Utes is in the title." Um, <laughs> so I had to go and download the Usain Bolt album. And did you know what the first words are on that album? No. Talk less, do more. 
Could be the slogan for your appearance on the chase. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get back to that. Right. Okay. Well, the good news for uh, Ronaldo is is that uh, luckily, ex United A's and former podcast contributor Andy Cole came to his aid. He now rents Andy's old gaff. Unbelievable. Uh, right. Should we get to the matches? And now we're ready to go. Game day returns to your radio, and it's bigger and bolder than ever before. Wolves lead by two goals to nil. Thunderers first time volley. Tariq Foster with a cross. Ivan Tony drives Brentford ahead. I'm feeling we are extremely difficult to beat. We are growing into it. 3 0 to Liverpool. Unstoppable shot by Mo Salah. This team has so much still to deliver and to improve. Two for Edward. Three for Crystal Palace. They are in heaven. It is a fantastic football club. Uh, there is some really good people around me and that make uh, my job more easy, I would say. Watkins gets a touch, El Ghazi far post. And almost immediately, Aston Villa are straight back in front. Everton join Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool on 10 points now at the top of the Premier League. Now it's just the beginning, so we have to keep going. If we can improve every player 5%, the team will be much better. And it's only on Talk Sport. Tottenham against Chelsea is Sunday at 4.30. Now, Chelsea haven't played particularly well in the last two matches, but they have posted two victories. Is that sort of fulfilling the cliche, Darren, of performing this way is the hallmark of champions? Or is it a sign that this game could be ripe for an upset? I look at Chelsea and Chelsea are a side that are organised and efficient and they've got creativity in midfield and they've got someone who knows how to put the goal, the ball in the back of the net. Four goals in four games for Lukaku. Um, he's got delivery from the wide areas and guys who can slip him in through the middle. I look at Spurs and I just think after a good start against City, they were lucky against Wolves. The whole thing around the international break is a complete mess. And sadly, it looks like they're reverting to type where they shoot themselves in the foot rather than building on their good work. It's a real shame. Lukaku settled in superbly in terms of goals. They haven't quite clicked with him as a team yet, though, Alex. I mean, look, when they find their range, he's going to get an absolute hatful. But every now and again, you, you, you're looking at them and they haven't quite got those passing ranges and, and, and passing lanes moving too smoothly. He's got great personality. He works hard. He leads that team. And he looks like he fits that number nine jersey of Chelsea. That has been a problem in the past, but he just seamlessly has come in and he... He looks the part. He's delivered. He's he's just made such a massive difference, I think, to the feel around the place. Yeah, and since he's been away in Italy, I think he's become a, a ruthless hitman um, who just lives to score goals and kicks himself. Uh, I'd imagine when he comes off the pitch, having not scored, I'm not convinced that was necessarily the case at Manchester United. I think he's matured as a player and a person. Um, and, and you're right, when it all comes together, I think it's going to be a pretty formidable prospect for the rest of the Premier League. I, I guess at the moment, and this week's been a casing point, Chelsea are grinding out results. But again, that's what good managers do. Uh, they find a way to win in adversity or to pick up points in adversity, as, as Thomas Tuchel did at Anfield. Or they find a way to get their team over the line when they're not playing particularly well. I think it's a, a fantastic habit to get into. And Chelsea have got so many good players that when they do all gel they're going to be a pretty decent team to watch, that's for sure. They gave up one or two 
chances against Liverpool. Obviously, they're down to 10 men in that game. They, they gave up some big chances against Aston Villa. One or two against Zenit St. Petersburg as well on Tuesday night. I was there at Stamford Bridge. But they may have been fortunate to be defensively unmarked at the moment. They haven't conceded a goal in the Premier League from open play. Could Spurs breach that back line? I suppose, Darren, that, that would mean that they'd have to shoot. And that didn't really happen against Crystal Palace. No, I mean, in a way, I, I kind of write off the Palace game because, as I said about the chaos around International Week, all of so many, not all, so many of their key players just weren't available. And the B team at Spurs isn't good enough to be a side like Crystal Palace. Edward looks a terrific signing from uh, for Vieira. As we know, Conor Gallagher in midfield is going to be a star as well. Uh, so they were able to take advantage of those holes in terms of quality in the Spurs team. And I just can't see that having self-isolated in, uh, sorry, quarantined, self-isolated in Croatia, c- can they really come back? Those players who weren't available, Sanchez, Romero, they're, they're all, all those players who weren't available and suddenly slot themselves into uh, a team shape and tactical formation and, and be as organised as Chelsea uh, I was at Chelsea on Tuesday night. They weren't brilliant, but they weren't bad. And I think that Spurs are going to struggle. Um, creativity was a massive problem for Spurs in that game against Palace. I mentioned they only had two shots on target in that game. You said about Romero, Sanchez, there was no Tanganga uh, this week because he's sent off in the last game. Although let's remember that he was sent off after 60 minutes. So that they shouldn't have been struggling up until that point. Dyer was actually injured in that game. But Son's pace and creativity is a massive miss, Crookie. He's got a calf injury, though, Sam. He's got a calf injury. I mean, I don't know if he's going to even recover in time for this match. exactly. That's the point. You know, so so the fact that he's not going to be around, that's going to be a major problem, especially bearing in mind that they're going to take on Wren in the Conference League on Thursday night as well. Yeah, and I heard a Tottenham fan um, on the sports bar on my travels this week, and and he was basically saying that, that Everybody thinks Harry Kane is Tottenham's most important player, but actually it's Son and that Tottenham miss Son far more than they miss Harry Kane because, of course, when Harry Kane is in the team, then Son tends to step into that central striker's role and they've actually had some really good results in the absence of Harry Kane. So I think you're right to highlight that lack of creativity. I am concerned about Harry Kane as well and I think it was always optimistic uh, for Tottenham and, and, and their supporters to think that he could just park this situation, just release a statement, say I'm staying at, at Manchester, at, say I'm staying at Tottenham this summer and not have any kind of mental side effects. He wanted to leave. He thought he was going to Manchester City. He thought Tottenham were going to let him go to Manchester City. And I think it's going to take him a while to recover from that. What do you think, Darren? Is that going to have a hangover this season? Is that going to stop him from performing at his best? He's not really presented as that sort of character to us when when we meet him when managers talk about him they talk about him being and having an unbelievable mental strength he's still human yeah but I do disagree with you Crook I think uh, he scored a wonderful goal out of nothing for England no one was talking about hangovers then Uh, he scored in the last Europa Conference League game as well no one was talking about hangovers against a pub team come on it doesn't see that's the problem He, 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 he can't win if he scores the quality's not great against that he scored against if he doesn't score he's got the hangover he simply can't win I think that there is now that the whole nonsense is over the games have begun again he's getting himself fit if Spurs have a better side behind him you're absolutely right about Son Son backs him up he scores goals if there's no Son there's nobody to knit it together no one has quite the understanding with him that Son has 
and it's difficult for him to score goals. It's a little bit like if Sam did this podcast on his own and he didn't have us, he wouldn't have quite the same star quality, you know, because he's got <laughs> us to kind of knit it together behind him. He's a wonderful front man. Well, it's a little bit like that for Son and Kane. You know what? You're right about that because we let him go on national television on a quiz show on his own and he absolutely <laughs> floundered. Well, you know, I didn't want to say, but... Chelsea have won four of the last five meetings uh, between the two. It's Sunday. It's 4.30. I think it will be a, an interesting game. Um, and um, it's, I think Sky are doing this thing where it's the first carbon neutral game as well. I'll be so there for them. Are you? Super Sunday match day, sun, uh, Sunday morning. I, I'm sure you don't mind me flagging it up on here no. in the podcast, but I'll be there Sunday morning uh, between 10 and 1 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it's going to be a wonderful but very important occasion as well. As we know, climate change a big issue. Yep, we're looking forward to it. Uh, West Ham against Manchester United is also Sunday, 2 o'clock. No Mikel Antonio for West Ham, who take on the Manchester United side. Uh, scarred by young boys in midweek. It, it, it will be difficult for West Ham to create as much as usual without Mikel Antonio. Unless Ole Gunnar Solskjaer picks Jesse Lingard. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. Crook, how's your, your mood going into this game? What do you think about the match itself? We've already heard uh, your rantings. Uh, about uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We're on a bad week, aren't we, this week because they lost the game. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Sunday afternoon? Can I just say, just to visit that point, and, and I get a bit of stick on our uh, private group for this. I don't think my stance with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has ever really changed. Darren would, would back me up on this. Darren, I, I've been pretty steadfast. I don't think he's a good enough manager for Manchester United. And, and you know, escapades like... Tuesday night, just back that up. I, I don't think I've ever come away um, from that. I'm just uh, wondering how long it is. I can't wait for them to win the league. In fact, I want them to win the league just to wind you up. <laughs> then my mood might change. Um, but this game on Sunday, I'm commentating it for, for TalkSport International. Uh, United have struggled um, at London Stadium in the past. They weren't great there last season, but still found a way to win. And they were absolutely dreadful um, the season before that. But I was at St. Mary's, actually wrote a piece for Darren's paper, um, about Mikel Antonio and if we were in any doubt about how much West Ham rely on him I think we're about to find out because even against Southampton the reason he got himself sent off was because he was frustrated with the way that he was being shackled he only had one shot on target and as a result of that West Ham looked pretty toothless um, I think all roads seemed to lead to Jared Bowen playing in that false number nine role I think he's played up front for Hull previously in his career but clearly He's not going to pose the same threat to this Manchester United side um, as Antonio. And if United are on a going day, and I have to say there's not been too many of them, probably apart from the, the game against Leeds on the first day of the season, they've not been that impressive in any of their games this season. But if they are performing somewhere near the, their best without Antonio, I think it could be difficult for West Ham. He's used that phrase with me a couple of times, Darren, this week, like on a going day. Have you been hanging around with your racing mates over the last... I mean, yes. <laughs> You've said it to me privately as well. Have you, have you, have you been out with the GGs, have you? Uh, no, not this week, actually, no. Uh, I was a good one last week. Um, uh, West Ham is an interesting point about West Ham, though, Darren, isn't it? Because they, they've been at it from the start. They did get frustrated by Southampton last weekend. But United will give them a little bit more room to pounce on the counter. The only worry I have about them is, is whether or not they've got the strength in depth to cope with Europe Thursday and then Sunday football, week in, week out, over the course of this early part of the season. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, as we record this, we, we're recording it ahead of the Dinamo Zagreb game, which is a step up in quality. These aren't your average European opponents mm. in terms of the teams that West Ham 
have slipped up against if you like if you want to be frank in, in when they've got into the early stages of Europe but now they're in the group stages so they've got a little bit of leeway um but the squad depth is going to be an issue I think the, the the interesting thing about this particular game is that I can't work Solskjaer out on the on the one hand <laughs> good luck with that one well, you buy a new central defender, a high-class central defender, and you're trying to get out of the group stage. You didn't do it last season. You surely play Varane as often as possible so you can get an understanding with your defensive teammates, some organisation, create a platform for the offensive players to be able to go and express themselves. Now is not the time to be making changes. You simply aren't good enough or consistent enough to be doing that this early. Certainly not defensively, which is where they were. Uh, they came unstuck last season. And West Ham are the opposite. You get a consistency of tactics and team selection with David Moyes. You can t- I could tell you now what his best team will be. You guys were just saying a second ago, you know that Mabon will play in that false no position. And the one final thing I would say, yes we're all looking forward to Ronaldo playing but I tell you something if United don't work hard they'll come unstuck at the London Stadium again because one thing that is the hallmark of this West Ham team under Moyes is that they graft and West Ham will graft and graft and graft and if United aren't ready for a hard day's work on Sunday they're going to come unstuck again. Yeah, and I, I, just to clarify, we, we don't think that Mark Bowen will play up front because he retired a very long time ago. <laughs> Jared <laughs> Bowen, pretty convinced he he will. Um, you know, come with a l- surprise to Mark. He's joking <laughs> Mark Bowen's just a right to panic. <laughs> he was doing. To it be fair, he wants to get back in football, but probably not in that uh, role. <laughs> uh, United have uh, been surrounded by a lot of fanfare, haven't they, because of the Ronaldo thing? But performances haven't really lived up to the billing that the arrivals of Varane, Sancho, and Ronaldo have given them. Against Saints, they weren't that impressive, as Crook has said. Newcastle had periods last weekend as well. Obviously, they were punished by the young boys. The Wolves game wasn't particularly good. Um, I mean, it's normal, though, isn't it, for for it to take a little bit of time for everything to click when you've got some new players involved, especially key players like Ronaldo. I mean, Chelsea have gotten away with it a couple of times already this season. Uh, I sort of disagree on that. I think Ronaldo slots into any team in the world and makes them better. So I don't think he needs any adaptability. The same for Varane. The one who concerns me at this stage, and we've spoken about it on the podcast already this season, is Sancho. Um, Again, Kevin Hatchard, whose knowledge of European football I bow down to, tells me that what a talented player he is and was fantastic for Borussia Dortmund. Every time I've seen him play for England, I've been underwhelmed. And I think he's been poor for Manchester United, Jaden Sancho. And actually, we were talking last night after Bellingham, uh, Jude Bellingham put in a man of the match performance for Borussia Dortmund. Did we get the wrong Dortmund player? Because at the moment, I just don't see what Sancho offers. When you say say we, what happened was, is I sent a text message saying how great Jude Bellingham was. And you went, yeah, we got the wrong Dortmund player. So when you say we're talking about it, it was just a statement from you. No, the funny uh, thing though, Sam, this is very typical of the English footballing mentality. You see some highlights of a player doing well uh, and then you, you say, we've got to get him and then you get him and then he has one bad game and someone else in that team does well. Oh, we should have had him. Sancho just got there. He's just getting his feet under the table. And I'll tell you what Sancho had at Dortmund that United don't have at the moment. When he has the ball, players run for him. They move for him. At United, they don't do that. At the moment, I watch United, even in his first two games, everyone expects Ronaldo to do all the work. 
get the ball to Ronaldo. And to be fair, that's what happens when you have him on your team. Okay, so just to go back, we are thinking that maybe it takes a little bit of time for everything to click. Yeah. Okay. Uh, West Ham have avoided defeating four of their last eight games against Manchester United. Bruno <laughs> Fernandes apparently is close to a new contract. Let's get to game day. They didn't have everything their own way on a different night. It might have been a little bit different. Chelsea three, Aston Villa nil. We feel now with the quality of the squad that we've got, that we can come to Chelsea and get on the front foot and, and go and try and play in their heart. Ings on the volley with a stunning finish. It is one of their goals of the season so far. Everton join Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool on 10 points now at the top of the Premier League. Now it's just the beginning, so we have to keep going. If we can improve every player 5%, the team will be much better. Adelaide Torre fires home a magnificent goal. We expected it last year, something special to happen. It didn't. Mm. So is it just that almost that year delay for Everton. Game day is back this Saturday with three live commentaries across the TalkSport network. At 5.30, game day travels to Villa Park where we could bear witness to an absolute cracker. Everton in storming form in the second half against Burnley after a rough first 45 minutes on Monday night. And Aston Villa under Dean Smith, fresh from giving Chelsea a real bout of trouble at Stamford Bridge. What are you expecting, Crook? I agree with you. This could be game of the weekend. I know you're particularly excited about being there. Um, two attack-minded teams, uh, two teams who, barring that opening day defeat for Villa against Watford, have attacked the season in good style. As you know, I was really impressed with Everton against Brighton a couple of weeks ago. I thought they were poor for an hour uh, against Burnley, and they really missed Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But credit to Rafa Benitez, who is a, a top-class manager. He, he, he tweets a couple of things, and, and really they were the dominant force after that. Andros Townsend is playing with a smile on his face. Even his mum is, is helping him banging uh, wonder goals. And Damari Gray, less than £2 million. Pounds. I mean, that that could be the best piece of business uh, of any team in, in the Premier League this summer because he looks rejuvenated. And as you say, on the flip side, Aston Villa with um, Danny Ings and, and Ollie Watkins spearheading the attack, some cre- creativity in midfield as well. I, there's going to be goals. This isn't going to be nil-nil. 2-2, two, two, something like that. 3-3. Three, three. Let's, let's go goals galore. Darren, Villa have been a little bit unfortunate, I think, to start the season with just one victory, especially as a good start was vital because they've got a real tough run of fixtures on the horizon. So actually, I wonder whether or not the onus is on them this weekend. More important for Villa to try and put three points on the ball because after this, they've got Chelsea, Manchester United, Tottenham all away from home before they take on Wolverhampton Wanderers at Villa Park, which is a big fixture for them. And that, actually could play into Everton's hands. I agree. Um, one win, uh, as you say, and no win at home so far this season. They've got good offensive players, but defensively, they're still very uncertain. And it's always the case, isn't it? You see player, managers bring in a number of players and, and shake up the side and suddenly it just doesn't go according to plan in those early weeks and then the nerves start to play a part. I think Everton win this. Um, Townsend scoring goals now. Uh, one goal in 36 last season, two already so far this season. Damari Gray, three in his five games so far. There's even, if you look at the bigger picture, he scored 10 goals in over 100 and 30 league appearances at Leicester. And he scored, um, what, twice in four, I think it is now? Um, three in four, I think. So, um, look, I, I think Benitez has got him firing. Um, 
so far this season. And I think that Everton will win. They're comfortable without the ball as well, Everton, which 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 sort of helps buy into the narrative that if Aston Villa go at them, they'll be able to deal with that and then counter. They won at Brighton two weeks ago with just 34% of the ball. Um, they haven't beaten Villa, though, uh, since the home side were promoted. But there is a system and a plan with Everton. And although Andy Jacobs said on TalkSport this week that Rafa was a joyless man after he failed to congratulate Andros Townsend on his wonder goal on Monday night, he's a very good coach. And, and that was in evidence on Monday when he switched and tinkered things around and turned that game around. Dominic Calvert-Lewin was playing with a couple of injuries. Uh, he got a quad problem and a broken toe. He will be out for at least another two weeks, a big absentee. But a chance for Salomon Rondon to make a mark? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I'm sure Newcastle fans would have been uh, crying into their brown owl when they saw Rafa Benitez bring Rondon off the bench. It would have got them all, all misty-eyed. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Rondon starts, just because in that first hour, they did lack a bit of a focal point. And I'll tell you what, Richarlison, is he the most miserable man in the Premier League? Did you see his reaction when he got taken off? You just want to give him a shake, don't you? Honestly, cheer up, man. You're getting paid a lot of money to play the game you love. It's not that bad. Brooke, is he more miserable than you? I think he is. I think he is. <laughs> well, I'd be miserable as well if I'd got crunched by James Tarkovsky the way he did in that game. Yeah, it wasn't a great tackle, that, to be honest. Um, I think that was uh, an advocate for the the new, more lenient rules maybe going too far. But I'm not sure that was why he was looking so grumpy. He just didn't want to be taken off. Have you ever thought about having your hair modelled on Richarlison's? A streak of blonde? Yeah, maybe I might try that. I'm, I'm 40 next year. It's not year. a streak. It's all totally blonde. I'm 40 next year. Maybe I could do that as a sort of midlife crisis. Darren could do this. Oh, no. No. Uh. <laughs> Wolves against Brentford is Saturday at 12.30. Brentford travelled to Wolves in the early game on game day this Saturday with disappointment still haunting them, I think, from last week. But they don't score enough goals. If you look at the, analyse the data, that, that hasn't really translated from the Championship Four goals in four games from eight shots on target, Darren. What needs to change? What needs to change? Uh, I think not that much. Uh, there is, I think it's the only, one of only two Premier League games that they've failed to score in. The other would obviously be Arsenal and they were, they scored against Aston Villa as well. So I don't think too much needs to change. It was only their first defeat as well so far in the early weeks of this season. So I don't feel that they need to press the panic button just yet. And I think against the Wolves side that are still finding their feet under Bruno Lager, uh, it could well be an opportunity to grab another point. And in these early weeks of the season, because Thomas Frank has so much belief in his side and the way that they go about their business, and they now have the confidence of those early points, you know, they're not getting thrashed like Norwich. I still think there's a platform for Brentford to build on. Um, Wolves have been better than their points total suggests and they deserved their win over Watford last week, but they've had more shots than Machine Gun Kelly managed on his red carpet tussle with Colin McGregor this week. But they haven't been put them, putting them away. I enjoyed Huang's goal. I know we all enjoyed Huang's goal just because it was like a one-yard tap-in and the South Korean media went absolutely crazy, which is always good fun to hear. Uh, but this has got low-scoring match written all over it, hasn't it, Cook? Yeah, I think Wolves will win to nil. Um, I agree with you when it comes to Brentford and their lack of goals. Um, I expected Ivan Tony possibly to make more of an impression early in the season than he has done so far. And if he doesn't score, it is a struggle to see where their goals come from. And I've been impressed by Wolves. I think they're much better to watch this season than they were 
under Nuno last year. As you said, they've created stacks of chances. I think it's only a matter of time before Jimenez, who was a bit unlucky not to get on the score sheet last weekend, starts to stick some of those chances away. I like the fact that the fullbacks are flying forward. I think we've seen the best out of Semedo when he struggled in his first season in the Premier League. So I'm actually quite confident in a Wolves win this weekend. Uh, Liverpool against Crystal Palace is three o'clock game day. Talksport two. Uh, Liverpool opened their Champions League campaign with a victory uh, over Milan in a topsy-turvy game at Anfield, which they dominated, missed the penalty, and eventually won thanks to Jordan Henderson's absolute belter. Uh, but that might be the perfect warm-up for the Palace game, Darren, because they didn't get out of second gear against Leeds last week, and Palace will make them work harder for the points. Yeah, the team selection was really interesting for this match because Mane started on the bench. Uh, Van Dijk was on the bench as well. I think Klopp's looked at the Palace game and realised there'll be no slouch at all. Edouard, as I said before, looks a terrific signing. Conor Gallagher in midfield knows how to get forward and get goals. Zaha now has players to take the pressure off him at Palace and they look like a much more energised side under... Uh, Patrick Vieira and so I think some players have been rested by Liverpool to get in just to be able to cope with the threat that the fresh legs of Palace might pose. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Wilf Zaha because he gave a rare interview to Talk Sport this week it'll be going out on Darren Bent's boot room on Sunday night and I got the impression that he's been um, invigorated by the arrival of Patrick Vieira. I think he actually makes it pretty clear in the interview he didn't necessarily enjoy the style of play under Roy Hodgson, he actually used the word hoof um, over the course of our chat. I don't, I don't think he's uh, alone in that, though, is he? I mean, you know, it's like a major secret. Um, but what he was saying was that um, with the players that Darren's mentioned there, he, he feels that he can do his damage in the penalty area now. And he's going to focus more on numbers in terms of goals and assists because he doesn't have to, in his words, do it all on his own anymore. He doesn't have to do the amount of running that maybe he was expected to do under Roy Hodgson. So uh, he's expecting a, a big season. And I asked him directly about this game because they've had some chastening defeats against Liverpool in the recent past. And he said they'll go into it with no fear. They believe they can impose themselves and get a result. Yeah, I mean, look, Roy Hodgson did keep them in the Premier League when other managers maybe wouldn't have done that. And it is the evolution of the club. They are changing the style. They got their first win at home to Tottenham. Uh, but whether they can be credited with restricting Spurs to just two shots on goal or whether that is actually more to do with Spurs, that will remain to be seen. But they'll have to defend well break quickly and be ruthless when opportunities appear this weekend at Anfield. So what you're saying there sort of buys into that narrative. We mentioned uh, Sadio Mane not being in the team in midweek. And I talked about him on the Sunday night podcast that came out Monday morning, um, the post-match pod here on TalkSport. Make sure you download it. Um, He's non-stop shooting at the weekend. Darren, what have you made of the Mane-Jota-Salah dynamic this season? Well, the interesting thing about all three of them is that they're interchangeable, but they don't like passing to each other that much. Crikey, I mean, do they not? <laughs> you know, it, I saw not, uh, there was a moment in the Champions League game on Wednesday night where Mane had players to his right. The obvious ball was to square it, and he tried to curl it from an impossible. He might not believe it was impossible, but for me, he's got to be reading comics to curl it in from there. Um, and I think they, they're brilliant when they're on song and they have moments of individual brilliance, but they'd be so much better if they actually ever thought about passing to each other. How much damage could that do going forward this season? Because if they 
are in a situation where they're not winning games because they're not taking those chances, that will be an issue. I mean, it hasn't come up yet because, you know, they're winning games rather well. I mean, the game against Leeds, for example, was a, a match where they sort of did it without really trying too hard. It was a little bit more difficult on Wednesday night in the game against AC Milan, though. And if that had been slightly tighter and Jordan Henderson hadn't already scored from some distance, then that would have been frustrating for you. Well, I think there are two things to say on that. I think if Van Dijk plays, it's far more defensively secure than it was on, on, on Wednesday night. And the second thing is, because they are back to their full defensive strength, they've got two players now for each of those positions in the back four. They only really need one moment of individual brilliance per game to win matches. So they can and mess around as much as they like. For most much. I mean, listen, in an ideal world, you would get the players clicking, you would get the, the, the goals from midfield as well, and you would have that, that kind of understanding between those players in the front three. Um, but I, I think that the, what would worry Liverpool fans more is if at the back they were continuing to be as uncertain as they were last season. And that's not the case for me. Do you think we should sort of get them all together and take them out for a nice, you know, tapas meal or something? I'm sure Jurgen Klopp is, is addressing it. You know, he's an experienced enough manager to, to realise that the performance that Sadio Mane in particular put in wasn't really acceptable um, in terms of the, the bigger picture and the team picture. And, and, and maybe his absence in midweek was some kind of punishment from Jurgen Klopp. Maybe that's why he took him out of the team. No, 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 unacceptable is, is probably a bit harsh, though. I mean, there, there's... Well, that wouldn't be like Crook to go over the top. So. <laughs> Come on, Crook. There's not no, great, you, and then there's unacceptable. No, but it, I, I asked the question, which was, when does um, when, when does single-mindedness turn into selfishness? And I thought that yeah. on Sunday, I think it sort of strayed those lines. And you can't I'm afford sure. to take liberties in, in the Premier League, Darren, you know, because it, it, if you play for yourself... It, it will come back to bite you in terms of team, the team dropping points. Yes, but he scored in two of his five games so far um, in in all competitions. Um, and I think as far as he's concerned, he's been an excellent, excellent and outstanding servant uh, for the club. So I, I'm not really seeing that. The yeah, fact but the beauty of great management and taking teams to the next level and making sure that they can get back to where they want to be is identifying a problem before it becomes a problem. And you, exactly. I think we can all see that it could be a problem. Guys, this is a, it'd be interesting if the people listening to this, uh, uh, what, what, what they might think, but all great strikers are greedy. Ronaldo plays and, and you watch Portugal and I know from speaking to people that the Portuguese players are actually, they're, 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 he has had moments of brilliance for that national side, but they won the final in 2016 of the Euros without him. Mm. They were able, there were different points of attack. They were able to breathe, if you like. You look at United, lots of people feel they've got 10 men, even though Ronaldo is so brilliant in the final third, you give him the ball, invariably he finds the back of the net. But every so often, you need to be able to pass. But the great strikers are greedy. Kane is greedy. Ibrahimovic is greedy. The great strikers are. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and criticise money at any level whatsoever. That's quite hypocritical considering I did just give a little dig. But what I'm trying to say is that as far as the Liverpool front three are concerned, they're great, but they'd be even better if they were to maybe put one on a plate for one of their teammates now and again. Crook, were you a great striker? Uh, I, was, I was a good goal hanger, as, as you can uh, confirm from our charity football days. Yeah. 
He's surprise. trying to say you're greedy, crook. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I'm just. I'm just. Just coming at it from a different direction. He, he, he wants everything. He wants everything. He wants everything. Next week, make sure we get up early and do the pod early because I've got to go and play golf. Uh, I've got a tea time. I've got to go and play snooker. I've got to go off to uh, the races. Unbelievable. What a team player. Uh, Right, talking of great team players. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Hello. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, Tal. Oh, what's happening? Well... You know, I wasn't in on Sunday. Yes, we, 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 your absence was keenly felt. It almost felt like we were uh, were playing. We were, we were like Liverpool playing without Mo Salah. I went and did my driving test on the Monday morning. How'd it go? There you go. You passed. Of course she passed. She would have brought it up if she failed, would she? <laughs> well done, Luce. That's fantastic. And what are you doing on uh, Saturday? Because I need a lift from Birmingham uh, to London, if possible. Whose car are we taking? Yours? You must have got a car if you passed your test, no? No, I wanted to drive your car, that was all. No chance. Okay. Uh, Lucy, can I ask, has yeah. uh, lost the competition because he had a little dig at the fact that you wouldn't have brought this up um, had you failed, which to me means an automatic fail for him, surely? Uh, I think that is the deduction of at least half a point. <laughs> right, what have you got for us this week? Because we're talking about Newcastle against Leeds United. Both these two teams have conceded a hell of a lot of goals. Newcastle conceded 12, Leeds 11. I don't think it'll be a game for the defensive purists. Uh, so what have you got for us? Well, you've already introduced it, haven't you? So that's, that's pointless, isn't it, really? <laughs> Let's start with hey, you. Selfish, selfish. Yeah. just always Wants all the glory himself. Yeah, unless, yeah. He, unless he gets... <laughs> On a TV quiz show, and then he absolutely wilts into the background. Like I said, the great front men are greedy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with you. Newcastle United was founded in 1892 when two clubs merged together. Can you tell me what these two clubs were? No. Uh, I think it is... It's essentially a Newcastle boys' club, and uh, it's not Wall's End because that's that's still going, but it's something like that. Um, what's the little place? St James, something St James, Newcastle, Newcastle Cricket Club. There you go. No, Darren. I actually do know this. Oh, get up! You just use Google. No, 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 no. Do you know why? Many I. In the early years of working at the Daily Mirror, I went up to cover a couple of games at Newcastle with a colleague from another paper. And when I got there, I... <laughs> honestly, when I got there, I was so, it's a great place. And I was just taking everything in and I was a bit wide-eyed. It was my early days of working at the Daily Mirror, so I was wide-eyed about everything. And I, It wasn't I... just the Newcastle kit was black and white then, by the way. This podcast was in black and white when he started this story. <laughs> It's Newcastle East and Newcastle West End. Correct. You oh, get well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sam. Yes. Which team ended Leeds running in the Champions League at the semi-final stage in the 2001 season? I know this if it gets deferred. And that's a far easier question than mine as well. Shocker. In 2000? 21 years ago. Oh, God, I know this. And I can't believe it. My mind's just gone blank. Um, it was Lucy's just morphed into Bradley Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were playing. They were playing. Is there a time limit, Lucy? 
They're playing. Well, there isn't, but I'm getting bored, so you need to hurry up. Oh, I know this. Leverkusen. The chaser says Valencia. <laughs> Valencia. I knew it was. I knew it was Valencia. And a bonus point, Crook, if you can tell me the score. Oh, what the aggregate score? Yep. Three two. No. Anyone else want to have a guess? Two two. Away goes. Three nil. Uh, Lost oof. on aggregates. Danny Mills Danny, played in that Danny team, Mills. didn't he, I think? Right, Darren. So, when comparing Marcelo Bielsa and Steve Bruce, which manager has won the most games with their current club? I actually think it, this is one of those trick questions because I think for all the stick that Steve Bruce has had, his win ratio is pretty good. I'm going to go with Steve Bruce. I'm going to go Bielsa. Bielsa. Uh, the, so, so, so obviously it was Bielsa because he had a great season at, uh, in the Championship, another great season in the Championship, and then they finished in the top 10 in the Premier League. Luce, you can't really defer a 50-50 question, though, can you? A multiple choice yeah, question. So, uh, don't it complain. was yours, Sam. It was yours, Sam. <laughs> right, Lucy, thank you very much. That was great. Who won? Who We've won? got scores on the doors. So in the lead, we have Darren with five points. Crook is second with 4.5, and Sam is third with four. How did that happen? Because you haven't done well the past couple of weeks. I have done well. Or just in quiz- on quizzes in general, in fact. Did I lose a point for not getting a question right on the chase or something? <laughs> Stop crying, Sam. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Burnley against Arsenal is Saturday at three o'clock. The Emirates breathed a collective sigh of relief last weekend as Arsenal came off the bottom of the table. Mikel Arteta said it was the best week of his life. Uh, But now he's got to take a team to Burnley. How's he going to get on, Crook? I think their record at Turf Moor is actually pretty good. I know Burnley um, caused them some problems at the Emirates last season, but their record is surprisingly good at Burnley because it's the type of place they would usually go and and get rolled over. Arsenal haven't beaten Burnley since August 2019 and they failed to win the last three against them. There you go. Absolute nonsense. Let's start that again. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's keep that in. 
<laughs> no, I think. Do you know what? That's... I think overall you're right. Their their record at, at at Burnley is pretty good, apart from the last couple of years. <laughs> okay. Um, but this this is this is another test uh, and, and a bigger test than the Norwich will provide because we know about Burnley's physicality. Obviously, Brentford were, were very physical on the opening day of the season. Arsenal couldn't withstand that. I think they're in better shape to do so. I think Aaron Ramsdale in goal helps with that. And I think the back line maybe looks a little bit more capable as well. But this is going to be a barometer of whether Arsenal have really turned a corner or whether they've actually just beaten the worst team in the league in Norwich. I think I think it's going to be a fascinating game. How many changes is Arteta going to make, Darren? Because I take it it would have been working all week with Tommy Yasu, White, Gabriel and Tierney because they didn't have any European distractions. He has to find a back four, doesn't he? And let's be clear, they didn't have too many, but Norwich still had one or two decent chances in that game. And Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes will be out to cause damage. Yeah, on the, on the face of it, Burnley's record this season, not great. Not one in the Premier League so far. And they um, struggled in the League Cup as well against Newcastle. But I think as far as Arsenal are concerned... They they are not a side that works hard. They're not a side that have got a cohesion at the back and they're not a side that copes with balls into the box. You're right. I think he will have been working with those new players to bed them down. I'd be surprised if he changes the lineup given that they won last weekend against Norwich. But I agree with Crook. All they did was beat the worst team in the league. And I think this will be far more of a test against an organised and efficient Burnley side. Burnley were unlucky not to win against Leeds United a couple of weeks ago. Um, They were in the lead against Brighton in the previous home game. Then it turned on its head after sort of 75 minutes. But their home form really does need a boost. They haven't won at Turf Moor since January. But if they take this scalp, I think the mood will lift because so far they've started with three defeats and a draw. Apparently, though, they've hired a PR company to run their communications department. Now, Darren Bentley has left. Great Darren Bentley, a nice guy. When I was really cold up there one uh, winter's afternoon, I forgot my coat. He went and got me one from the club shop. What a nice guy. Um, But I'm not entirely sure about a PR company running the communications department. What does that tell you about the, the new era of ownership at Burnley? That'll come in handy uh, when they're playing Stoke in the Championship on a Tuesday night. Um, Ridiculous. Um, You know, Burnley are are a family club. Um, As I understand it, Darren was was very much part of that, a very popular figure, someone who was very good at his job. It's a PR disaster from the board, so it's quite ironic that they've hired a PR company to try and improve their public relations. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I I think... Uh, football needs football people in charge of clubs, people who understand fans at the game. Um, and a PR company, uh, a detached, soulless, I think it says a lot about the people that are taken over. Uh, listen, we've discussed them on the show before. They promised a lot before they came in. They've not delivered that much. And I think there uh, the fire might eventually be turned on them if Burnley continue not winning and, and staying in and around it at the bottom. Uh, and so maybe they've hired the, the PR company as a preemptive strike. But I certainly think that's not a great move. In relation to the football, though, I think things might turn around for the club this weekend. Well, they did hire uh, Maxwell Cornell 
and Connor Roberts on the last couple of days of the transfer window as well. So it may well be that uh, those two new signings help them uh, to create a little bit more going forward. Manchester City against Southampton is another three o'clock. Southampton conceded 14 goals in two trips to Manchester last season. How many will they concede against the Manchester City side that despite being the league's joint top scorers are actually still underperforming? on their XG, although you wouldn't have thought so on Wednesday night where they scored six in the Champions League, including getting the best own goal I've ever seen. Um, and Grealish on the score sheet. Yeah, Grealish starting his Champions League career um, with an inevitable goal. I do fear for Southampton this weekend. I think they've played okay um, this season, a bit unlucky maybe not to beat West Ham, um, struck the post, have one cleared off the line later on as well. They played well against Manchester United played well for a half against Everton. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but this is a, a difficult assignment for a young team, a newly put together defence. I thought Saliso and Stevens up against Antonio were excellent last weekend, but against this very fluid Manchester City attack and Manchester City attack that don't really play with uh, a number nine, it could be a difficult afternoon and, and maybe one that Southampton fans will be watching from the comfort of behind their sofas. It's very difficult to make any case for anything other um, than a home win. I think if Southampton come away with a defeat by less than four goals, then maybe they'll be quite satisfied. How bad was Manchester City's defending, though, in that game in midweek, Darren, against uh, Leipzig? I mean, they conceded three goals, two of which were headers from inside the penalty area that were absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean... One of the goals that Nkunku scored, who got the hat trick, he, he raced in from the right hand side and was able to shoot across a keeper from an acute <laughs> angle. And I'm thinking, how does he get the time and space to do that? And some of the most striking footage on social media on Thursday morning was of Pep Guardiola calling Jack Grealish and um, Riyad Mahrez to the touchline. And he is so animated trying to get them to get back and defend. Um, and he just was, he had a face like thunder. And and one of the other fascinating things after the match was that Guardiola said this, we, we, we invite our fans to come and support us at the game because on Saturday against Southampton, because we're going to be struggling after the game in midweek. That I found that remarkable. Um, you know, City loved City fans love their club. They love to to support their club. Why would he have to call them, invite them to the game, to come and support them? I found that remarkable. I have to say. Well, I think he's probably complaining about the fact that there wasn't enough people there on uh, mm. Wednesday night. I mean, it holds fifty three thousand. The record tends actually is fifty four, something like that. How many were there? Well, after I read the quotes from Guardiola and I saw what he had to say, I had a look at how many were there, the attendants. 38,062 is the official attendance. So quite fascinating. And you know, I don't That's want to 15,000 cast... empty seats, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to cast aspersions on City fans, but the fact that Guardiola would have to come out and call that out is very fascinating indeed. I think there'll be a backlash from the, the players anyway. I think he'll want a performance and a good defensive display against Southampton anyway. But I also think that might be helped now by the fans wanting to show their commitment to their club by coming out to support the team at the weekend. Yeah, they're just not into the Champions League, the Manchester City fans, are they, for whatever reason? But um, it, it, even though they put on, I was talking to someone the other day about them putting on sort of deals where at one stage it was sort of like 60 quid and you get all three home games uh, just to try and get them through the door and try and embrace that that Champions League experience. I think in the Premier League it is slightly different. They usually get a lot more, but they were at one stage thinking of expanding the other end of the ground. You know, they've, they've gone up into the sky 
uh, at one end, but not at the other. And I think the, the initial plan was for that to happen all the way around. I don't think they're going to, to do that now. They were selling tickets on Woucher for this game. I think you're fine, which is, um, when we talk about PR, quite an embarrassing look for the Premier League champions. But you, you, you were desperate to get that out, weren't you? You were desperate to get that out. Just factually correct information. Uh, Southampton have not conceded a first half goal this season, so might take a while to uh, get going. It might take a while to get going for Manchester City. Brighton against Leicester is Sunday at two o'clock. Brighton have had a brilliant start to the season. Only one point off the top. Same points as Manchester City. What is the mood like on the South Coast? Very good. Um, And uh, I think really it's a continuation of the end of last season when they finished strongly to relieve any lingering doubts they could be sucked into the relegation battle. And what's impressed me, I think we've said um, for a long time now that Brighton are probably a number nine away from being a very good side. Well, they didn't really recruit that number nine in the summer transfer. And obviously Danny Welbeck signed a new contract, but he's been injured more than he's been fit so far this season. So they're still reliant on Neil Mope to lead the line. Trossard has chipped in with some goals as well. Defensively, even despite the fact they sold Ben White, they're very solid. And they're a good team to watch. And um, I think this is a reward for patience because there were a lot of people at one stage questioning Graham Potter. I think he had the, the same points total or worse than Chris Hewton quite deep into his tenure. But I think we're seeing now why Brighton are so committed to the Potter projects. I think they're going to have a good season. And why Mad Matterface decided that it would be a good idea to back them to get in the top 10 this season. Yes. Uh, Leicester, unfortunate not to get something against Manchester City last weekend. Uh, They look to be getting better, especially as Johnny Evans is back, Darren. Yeah, four games, two wins um, and two defeats. Curious defeat last weekend against Man City. Doing well until around about the hour mark when Brendan Rodgers replaced Janet Vestergaard with Johnny Evans, uh, wanted to get some legs into both players. Uh, but a mistake then came about afterwards that settled the match shortly I, afterwards. I, I, can't, I can't help but think about how <laughs> Brendan Rodgers is trying to get some legs into uh, Vestergaard <laughs> and Johnny Evans. I'll rephrase that. <laughs> I don't think Vestergaard needs any more legs. Yeah, he's got quite long legs, actually. Wanted to give some game time to both players. Yeah. Uh, and the safer ground there. Indeed. Um, he wanted to give some game time to both players. And around about the hour mark, he made that substitution. And very shortly afterwards came the deciding goal from Bernardo Silva. So, uh, I mean, look, afterwards, Rogers explained why he'd done it. Uh, and it was for that very reason. But they were very unlucky in that game. I think they could have escaped with a point had that not happened. I I think they'll be okay in this game, but I think it'll be tight. As Crook was saying, Brighton really good, but Leicester really good too. I think it'll be a draw. Uh, Brighton haven't won any of their last nine League and Cup meetings with Leicester City. It's Sunday, two o'clock. Finally, Norwich against Watford. Crookie's favourite Norwich against Watford, three o'clock Saturday. I was accosted by a Norwich fan who wanted to thank me for putting Alex in his place over Norwich and, and getting him back, uh, getting him to backtrack and tone down his language. Apparently, Crook's constant sniping has led to quite a big expose in the uh, local paper. Yeah, I read that expose. Um, and basically, they uh, listed the points that I'd made um, during my rant on Darren Bent's boot room. And I have to say, and I'll send you guys the article, in most cases... Good. They, they started it, the, the, the reporter, by saying, he's right here. Okay, that, that, that phrase was probably used 
three times during the article. So, listen, um, as I've said before... It's not no, like you to point out when you're right, is it? So No, no, no axe to grind with Norwich. I do think they're rubbish. I do think they're heading for the championship, um, which will disappoint um, the, the, the royal family up in Norfolk, the likes of Brian Gunn and, and Darren Huckabee. Um, but this this already looks like a relegation six-pointer um, against Watford. Uh, I think a lot of people are impressed with Watford with their win against Villa on the opening day. But with hindsight, I think maybe Villa were just a bit undercooked. They haven't scored a goal since then. Don't really have a focal point to their attack. I think this is going to be low scoring. It could even end up being a nil-nil draw. I actually think both of these are quite a good bet to be back in the championship next season. If they are going to win a game, Norwich City, this has to be it. At home to a side have lost their last three games without scoring, Darren. Yeah, uh, the problem is that Norwich have... uh, (laughs) My goodness me, they've lost four games. They've conceded 10 goals. And they are just so easy to play against. Uh, they're going to need to get a little bit of edge to them, maybe a bit of physicality, maybe, uh, because they they don't have the organisation. There's always a moment when they lack concentration. And I think if you were to ask me which of the two sides could come out on top in the battle of two bad defences, I think it might just be Watford because I think they've got the superior cutting edge. I take Watford to win this. Okay, that's it from us. Uh, it's been another enjoyable uh, hour or so that we've spent uh, in the company of Darren Lewis from the Mirror and Talk Sports Transfer Guru, Alex Crook. What are you, what are you off to, to do today, Crook? Have you, have you got a, a, a snooker table booked or a tea time on the agenda? Race no, no, uh, all, all work today. I've got uh, Didimo Zagreb uh, against West Ham in the Europa League. That game will be done and dusted by the time this uh, podcast comes out, pretty much. Uh, can I just say thanks to Darren for, for turning up this week? It's nice to see him. Yeah, what was the problem with you last week? Were you in quarantine? Were you had you broken had FIFA invoked a five day rule? What what happened? Uh, no, I, I had um, other commitments that tore me away. Oh. Um, other that I couldn't get out of. Yeah, other. I did, did miss you though. They it's a bit cagey. That it's a bit cagey. That well, there was a moment when they caught me staring wistfully out of the window, and they said, "Are you okay?" And you know, you haven't touched your lunch, and I just said, "No, well, there's three oh. people that I'm missing dearly." It was a lunch. It was a lunch. So, so you missed us to go on a jolly. No. <laughs> okay, crook too. Uh, right. Okay, we'll see you uh, on uh, Monday morning when you wake up reviewing all the action. Please download uh, the Talk Sport Game Day podcast and tell everyone about it. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 